Hello, I'm Courtney Garrett, and this is the 101 Christianity Podcast. These messages accompany Discovering the Character of God, a 14-week Bible study I wrote on the attributes of God, which is available on Amazon. I pray this message will encourage you as you grow in your understanding of God's character. Okay, so these next two weeks, what we're looking at is God's, we're doing God's omniscience this week, and then God's sovereignty is the, is the next week. And then our final week will be what I'm just calling identifying and applying the attributes of God. Hopefully taking what we're, we have learned um, to apply the attributes of God as you read your Bible and in, in your daily life. So I want to mention that these next couple weeks we're tackling subjects that are a little bit tricky. There's a lot of mystery in them, and there's probably questions that are going to come up in your mind. Um, because this week is God's perfect knowledge of all things, and next week is God's complete control of all things. And it's very easy to begin the questions in your mind that if God knows everything, then why da 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 da, da fill in the blank. If God is in control of all things, then why da 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 da, da fill in the blank. Um, I am not going to stand up here and pretend like I will have all the answers for you at all. But what I am going to try to do is help us to have the right perspective from his word um, that we can, things that we can stand on. Because when things are unclear in our minds, we need to go to places in scripture that are very clear. And that will help us to give, give us hope and confidence as we look at some of these things. So if you um, have some things that come up in your mind, um, I'm happy to talk to you. We aren't going to kind of be wading into some of the more controversial theological discussions. Thank goodness uh, for me. But I mean, my perspective is to try to have more of like a broader overview of things for our purposes um, and kind of stay on track that way. I just don't want us to lose the big picture because sometimes when we get into more of those controversial issues, I think we can lose the bigger picture about what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, and, and also, as you, if, as these questions perhaps come up in your mind, in the what I just told you about, like the fill-in-the-blank things, we need to step back. What is helpful to me is to step back and to remember that God is not like us. He is not. And if you don't already know Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, you need to have it in your back pocket. If you can recall those verses, and those verses tell us, uh, tell us and I've mentioned them before and I'll mention them again, that God's ways are not our ways. That God's thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so far are his thoughts above ours and his ways are higher than ours. And that helps me when I get stuck. And I hope it helps you too. That we, our job is not always to try to figure him out, but it's to trust him, even when we have questions. So I'm hopeful that that will be helpful. So as we look at God's omniscience, his the fact that he is all-knowing, there are three things that I want to, to talk about. How God's omniscience helps us trust his perfect plan through the events of the Old Testament, how the Old Testament unfolds, through the redemption that came on the cross, and then lastly, through his unique plan for each one of us. So it's going to be the unfolding events in the Old Testament, how we can trust his perfect plan there through the redemption that came on the cross and then lastly through his unique plan for each of our lives. 
there's, it's kind of a pattern. I kind of like what these attributes to kind of say, let's see what the Old Testament says, let's see what the New Testament says, and then here we are today. So it's nothing new, but I, I like that pattern because I think that helps us see it all throughout Scripture. So first of all, God's omniscience helps us trust his perfect plan through the events of the Old Testament. One of the biggest things that we need to understand is that God is never, ever surprised by anything. Nothing ever throws him off. He is never thrown off course. He is not blindsided by anything. Nothing, nothing perplexes him because he is perfect. He knows everything. And we've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, that the Bible is not a succession of random events that just come one after the other. It is all one cohesive story to bring redemption through Christ and so that we are reunited with, with God. So because God knows everything, he is never in reaction mode. We are, aren't we? We are often reacting to our circumstances. God never reacts to anything. But as we read the Old Testament, we can kind of get this tension that there is a push and pull and that there are kind of two equal plans in motion. And, and sometimes God looks like he's winning. Sometimes Satan looks like he's winning, like it's a tennis match. And it's just kind of going back and forth. But we need to realize that God is the supreme being. There's no competition for supremacy. God won and God will win. So when we read the Bible, though, this is sometimes how it can go. I'm going to give us just kind of a little bit of an overview of how we see these events like a ping pong match going back and forth. First of all, God created the angels, and then Satan fell, bringing with him a third of the angels. God created the world, but then man sinned and corrupted it. Man continues to populate the world, but Satan corrupts it, so God decides to wipe out the world with a flood. God keeps Noah and his descendants, and they begin to create order again. But then man decided to build a tower, thinking that they were going to glorify themselves. And then God comes and disrupts all that, creating confusion with their languages and scatters the people. God then cho chooses Abraham to begin the Jewish, Jewish nation, but then Satan begins to corrupt his descendants. Joseph's brothers try to kill him, but then he's delivered and he's honored. And that is how the Israelites end up in Egypt in the famine. And then they go into slavery. They end up enslaved for 400 years in Egypt, but then God delivers them. Moses is given the law, but then what? The people disobey and turn from God over and over and over again. And that is the story all throughout the prophets, that they continue to rebel against God. Satan continues to corrupt the people again and again, again until God sends his son, the rescuer, to call people to repentance and to trust in him. But then people killed God's son, killed him. Then God establishes his church through Christ, but then people continue to be confused and led astray. And here we are today. What all, what all is happening here? It sounds like a ping pong match, doesn't it? And it seems sometimes God is winning, but then something else comes up, and it, and it appears that God's thrown off and that he's reacting to it. 
But God's omniscience helps us understand that God sees history as complete. We do not, but he does. He sees it all as one complete thing. He planned the Savior's coming as the culmination for all that had come before. Had not all of those things happened, would the world have been looking for and longing for a Savior? And throughout the Old Testament, God puts a longing on the hearts of people by seeing all of the brokenness in the world systems. He has ordained all that has happened. There is no reaction and, oh no, what am I going to do now? He's not surprised by anything because his knowledge is perfect. Isaiah 46, 8 through 10 is some scripture we're going to be looking at next week because God's omniscience does bleed into God's sovereignty because you cannot have a sovereign ruler without having knowledge of all things. And so some of these verses are going to overlap. But Isaiah 46, 8 through 10 says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my, camp, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Does that sound like somebody who's thrown off by anything? No. He knows all things and he is always in control. So we see that in these unfolding of events that God is on the throne, reigning perfectly with full knowledge of everything. So secondly, God's omniscience helps us trust his perfect plan through the redemption on the cross. We see that there's no surprises so that we can trust he knew ahead of time that Christ needed to come. Sometimes we can think, think that Things got so out of control that God was up there going, what, can I, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to do something really radical now. I guess I'll just send my son to save the earth. I want you to understand this concept, that the cross was a pre-planned rescue operation. The cross was a pre-planned rescue operation so that God's people could be redeemed and brought back into relationship with him. It was all pre-planned. Doesn't that give you comfort? That there was not something that God just had to come up with a solution for. He already knew it. And he knew the events that would lead up to it. God planned his son's coming to earth to be the culmination, fulfilling all that had come before and giving purpose to all that would come ahead and come after. So we see that also God, the Father, is not the only one who's omniscient. God, the Son, who's a member of the Trinity, is also fully omniscient. And so while he was on the earth, he knew everything that was happening. Again and again, we see, in, especially in the Gospels, that Jesus, where it says, Jesus knowing their thoughts. Jesus perceiving in his spirit the questions that they had. Jesus knowing that they were troubled. Jesus knowing. Jesus knowing. He, he knows everything, just like the Father does, because he is one with the Father as a member of the Trinity. Jesus also knew that Judas would betray him. 
that Peter would deny him and that his own people would reject him. What love that he knew all of those things and that he fulfilled the purpose that for which God had sent him. But there's mystery here a little bit, right? Because we read verses like Luke 2:52 where it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. Now what does that mean? If God is all-knowing, how does he have to grow into anything? That's a mystery and I I don't pretend to have all the answers, but what what I believe is that we have to look back to what Philippians 2 says. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, God, who, who being in very nature God, this is we're talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So here comes Jesus, who did not have to do what he did. He puts on flesh, and he comes down. And there's this mysterious combination of this fully God and fully man in Jesus. But what I think that he did is that he exercised voluntarily limitations of what he knew in his human condition. There was a degree that Jesus perhaps held back from having full knowledge to the degree that it was consistent with his human nature. Now that's kind of, it's mysterious, but, but I think it was all because of Philippians 2 that he humbled himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's remarkable. So an all-knowing God put this plan into action and the Lord Jesus carried it out. And all God's plans pointed to the fulfillment that would come in Christ, fulfilling at least 300 prophecies to a T. Not just kind of, but to a T. And then how did the prophets, how, how could they even foretell what would happen? It's only because an omniscient God gave them the plan that was already that was already in his mind, that he was already had full knowledge of. I love in Luke 24, 27, you know, this is, this is after the resurrection when Jesus is walking on the road and his disciples don't recognize him. And I would love to know how they didn't recognize him. Maybe they were just so overwhelmed with what had happened and maybe in his glorious post-resurrection body, it was just that he appeared different. I don't know, but they didn't recognize him. And I love that when they finally were like, oh my goodness, you are here. I love what it says where it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Don't you love that verse? It gives so much purpose to what we read in the Old Testament all about Jesus. He said, let me tell you all about me and how all that, all that just happened is the fulfillment of all the hundreds of years of the prophecies that were from the Old Testament. So God's omniscience reminds us he knows the beginning from the end and the big picture all at once. Which leads us to today, you and me in our everyday lives. How does God's omniscience give us courage today in his unique plan for our lives? I love the idea of courage, being given courage because of an all-knowing God. Once again, this attribute this week has caused me to, to, to go back and forth thinking about a couple of things. I, I go between 
oh my goodness, the bigness of God. And then I come back to his intimate knowledge of me. How can it be that this God who knows the, the names of the stars knows my little self? But that's what scripture says, right? Turn with me to Psalm 139. I'm hopeful that you had time this week to meditate on these verses. Because we, we, we know that Psalm 139 is a, is a is great go-to chapter just on the value of life. But have you personalized it lately? Because that's what I, want, I wanted you to do this week. And I'm going to read it again because I, I just want it to wash over you and me because it is so unbelievably comforting. And this is what gives us courage, ladies, is to understand that, that God knows you personally, uniquely, so amazingly. So let's read in Psalm 139, starting with um, verse 1 through verse 18. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You dis discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is, it is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was, not, there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. So I went through... This, these verses just very quickly and I just wrote down all the things that he says he says he knows you he knows your thoughts he knows where you are he knows what you're going to say before you say it he protects you all around his hand is upon you he follows you wherever you go and you cannot flee from him his hand is there to guide you he upholds you. He created you in your mother's womb. He intricately fashioned you. He saw you there. He ordained every day of your life before you were born. He is steadfastly present. Do you think he knows you? I love that the psalmist here went way out of his way to make sure that he, that you feel known by God. I love the idea, too, that God has ordained all of our days. 
it kind of can be strange to us in a way, right, to think that he's ordained. But if he knows everything, then they're all ordained. The word ordained in the Hebrew refers to thoughts and purposes constructed in advance. He has thoughts and purposes constructed in advance for you. Ephesians 2.10 reiterates that. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This principle is also reiterated in Acts 17, some verses that really are um, hopeful. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. My husband many years ago kind of wrote a little bit of a commentary on these, on these verses, and this is what he says. I love it. From this verse, we can see that God determined from eternity past the exact time and exact place where you could fit into, into history and into his purposes. He planned for you individually, in advance, on purpose, the exact time and place where you would exist. You, therefore, are absolutely on purpose by God's design. That's awesome. If God had a predetermined vision of you in eternity ago, ago then you can think of yourself as, as God's dream come true. That's what you are. So how does God's knowledge of you and all things give you comfort today? I can imagine in a room that, this size that there is not one of us who does not feel some anxiety, concern, fear, or worry about something that's ahead. Pick your, pick your label. You can say you're concerned, but really, I think we're all a little fearful, right? Women do that. I'm just a little concerned. I'm a little uneasy. We're all fearful. Let's just call it what it is. There's power in just saying it. You know, I'm scared. Um, you know, about so many possible things. How your child might turn out. Will they come to know Christ? Is your health going to deteriorate? Do you, do you have fear about that? If you're, if you're caring for an aging parent, how, how much are they going to have to suffer? If you're single, are you going to remain single? Will you lose your spouse? I don't need to give you every possible flavor of concern and fear that we could come with. We spend so much time worrying when these are the things that he's promised us. All in Psalm 139 that he knows you, that is, he is there to uphold you. He doesn't forget. We should have great courage with all the uncertainties of life and how the future will look because he's with us. Several years ago when I was in seminary, I was, we were given a, a, um, an assignment. We were supposed to go and interview someone that was in ministry, women's ministry. And I was assigned to a woman named Vicki Kraft. And she uh, lived in, in Dallas. She has since passed away. But she was really a pioneer in women's, women's ministry. And many of the things that we do today as far as how we do Bible study were a lot of her ideas. And so we kind of stand on her shoulders. So I went through my questions, and I don't even remember all the questions that I asked her, honestly, but she couldn't have been nicer. And at the very end, I said, is there anything else that you would want to, to add or anything? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, you know, in all my years, one of the things that I stand on is that God gives us grace for our reality, but not for our imaginations. God gives us grace for our reality, 
not for our imaginations. I just dropped a truth bomb on y'all, didn't I? You know, that's what we need to do for each other, really, because you know what a bomb does? It destroys things, destroys chaos, or it makes chaos, but I'm saying it destroys whatever the stronghold is. It dispels darkness. That's what truth does. But what she said is that God never said he would be with us in the things that could happen. He promised his presence in the things that will happen. And I think we all need to hear that today. Because if you are gripped by fear and worry, we are not understanding that God promises his presence in whatever comes our way. Not in the crazy things that we make up. Why do we waste time with that? We've got to take captive those thoughts and trust him. As we close, I want to remind you of these great verses in Matthew 10 that tells us, Matthew 10, 29 through 31, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I know you all are probably familiar with the old hymn, His Eyes on the Sparrow. And I'm going to get through it without crying. But I, I'm just going to read a little bit of it because these words I think we need to hear. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear, and resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leads, but one step I may see, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. And you know the chorus says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. And he watches you. Let's pray. Father, it's too amazing for us to even get our heads around. That you care for the sparrow those birds that don't seem like anything. You care for them, and so I know you care for us because you have full knowledge of us. Father, I, I pray that these, that these truths from Psalm 139 would sink deeply into our hearts. Father, we confess we get anxious about things that we're dealing with in the present and in the future. But Lord, help us to rest in what you promise us, that your grace is sufficient and that you have grace for for our our reality and not for the things that we make up in our minds father help us to stand on that truth lord and encourage each other with it we pray all this in jesus name amen for more information about our resources please visit 101christianity.com. And for more encouragement, you can follow along on Instagram at Courtney underscore Garrett underscore. 
Let's press on as we seek to know the truth and share the truth.